You're listening to the Performance Group Podcast, a place to listen, learn, and get to know the unseen heroes of our local community. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Kirby, and on the Performance Group Podcast, we make it our mission to learn from those around us and shed light on our local community. If you're new to the show, we have spoken to business leaders, community, organizers, friends, and family. And before we jump in today, I hope to ask you for a favor. If you could please just take one second to hit subscribe and share our posts. It would mean a whole lot to me, our team here at the Performance Group, and our amazing guests on today's show. All right, you ready? (laughs) All right. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Performance Group Podcast on this episode of the Performance Group Podcast, Podcast, Podcast. It is me, Sean Kirby, with the one and only Mr. Dustin Stoller of Stoller Roofing, LLC. Dustin, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Sean. So Dustin and I were quickly talking. Dustin is a a friend, a client, a confidant, Um, and um, he's also a sales and marketing expert. And Dustin's been in the roofing industry for how long, Dustin? Uh, going on 10 years now. 10 years. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of things people say about roofers. And very few of them are very nice. So <laughs> if you want to take the first 10 That's seconds to true. go ahead and um, set yourself apart from everybody else and say why, you know, some roofers get a bad rap and why, you know, stolen roofing is a little bit different than that. Well, first off, Sean, before we get into that, I want to talk about you a little bit. Oh, Yeah, I... I was shocked about two weeks ago to find out that you had a podcast. And, I mean, we've been working together for, I mean... Long time. Yeah, a long time. Long time. And, and I just happened to see on Facebook that you had a podcast. And, and, and I asked if I could be on it. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, okay, my, my buddy has a podcast. This is probably goofy. I looked into your... Like, I started listening to it to come on here. I am really impressed with your podcast. Thank the, you. The guests that you bring on, the, uh, the nuggets of knowledge that they have, uh, and just your... I mean, you know, Joe Rogan said it best. I mean, interviewing is a skill, and uh, I think you've worked on the skill. You've got the skill down, and this has become, in the last week, it is my new favorite podcast. Oh, thank you. Uh, I feel like a lot of the national guys, you know, they there's like a lot of sensationalism, a lot of, you know, trying to draw people in, and you just bring people in, you get to the, the heart of the matter, and you really focus on things that matter, and, and kind of as a, a sales and business nerd, I love your podcast. It's my new my new favorite podcast, and I'm excited to be here. So so thank you for that, Sean. I really well, appreciate it. Thanks for it. saying that. My heart is kind of jittery <laughs> right now. Most people don't usually compliment me before we start, nor do they do it afterwards. So I appreciate it. Dustin, um, thank you for that. That's very nice. I do my best, um, you know, as also a sales marketing person and somebody who's just genuinely interested in business. What I've learned is originally this all started as a way to, at 22 years old, get in front of people that Otherwise, wouldn't spend an hour with me. Right. And then what it's turned into is a genuine, genuine like infatuation with the process and somebody else's process and how do you do it and how can I do mine better? Um, somebody told me once about a tool exchange, right? All a conversation is is, is is like an exchange of tools trying to sharpen each other's acts. So what can I learn from you? What can you learn from me? And what can we do for each other? So what this has done is it's made me actually a better salesman in the sense that I'm... I learned that sales isn't talking, it's listening. So 100%. Like it's, you sell with your ears, not with your mouth. And, yeah. and trying to get new salespeople to believe that is the hardest part. Reps, man. <laughs> it's all about reps. So like yeah. finding out what the pain point is, how to you know then expand on that, letting people just have room 
to talk. Because, exactly. you know, sometimes people just don't have anyone to tell anything to. So the roof guy selling door-to-door ends up getting all of it. Well, the other thing is people are so uncomfortable with silence. And especially if you're, you're new into sales and you're, you feel like that silence is there and it's uncomfortable and you feel like you've got to fill it with something, the number of, of new salespeople that just absolutely ruin the sale by talking over it. I, I have a line that I use with my sales with, with basically anybody that I work with. It's like once I've said yes to something, like, you got the yes, stop selling. Yeah. <laughs> because the number of times I'll tell people yes and they keep telling me why I should do something. Like, no. I've said yes. Move on to the next decision. Yeah. Don't don't talk yourself through your own clothes. Right. You got to get to the clothes. Ask for the payment. Yeah. Are you pay with card or check. Exactly. Yeah, let's let's get this done. Um, but the other, I mean, but you're, I mean, the, the people that you've brought in, it's it's been so great to listen to your podcast and just hear people just drop nuggets of wisdom. And I'll, sometimes it's like I know that, but you just said it better than I say it. And so to take take something and, and the more you can simplify it. And make it understandable. And uh, the other thing I've learned in, in my business is I feel like everything that I do good, I've stolen from someone else. Yeah, very much so. I, I might have one or two ideas that are mine that were good, but everything else I've pretty much stolen from somebody or, or someone's done it better than me. I'm like, I like that. I'm taking that. I like that. I'm taking that. So really, I'm an amalgamation of a bunch of people who were better than me, and I just took what they did and, and ran with it. It's a much faster process when somebody else does it first. Right. You don't have to, you know, trip over the same hurdles that they did so many times. Right. Um, I think that's why I think this is such a cool medium is you're able to talk to people about their, the things that they've already messed up. Yeah. And you, you avoid those, you know what? So when you're playing Frogger, it's a lot easier if you watch the other guy go first. Yeah, exactly. Because you go, well, I'm not going to get run over by that one. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, it, it's an absolute blast. So, Dustin, why don't you go ahead and take us back and tell us how you got into the industry, what's some of your favorite parts about it, and then kind of where you are today and now that you got your own shop. And right. this is going into kind of the real first, you know, call it busy season, spring mm-hmm. season. So, Yeah, so getting into this industry was kind of a, a long roundabout process for me. Uh, I went to, uh, went to Wabash College, uh, went to – uh, IU School of Law, actually practiced law at what what is now Fagery Drinker, so the old Baker and Daniels, uh, practiced there for a few years and learned that I absolutely hated the practice of law. Uh, so kind of went from, you know, tried to find some pl- place, you know, find my niche in that and eventually uh, worked for a collections company. I was general counsel for a collections company that ended up going out of business and it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Um, after, you know, after we went through bankruptcy and wound everything down, uh, I ended up having some time on my hands and was just, you know, looking to fill my time like before I found my next real job, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, got into a sales job at a roofing company. And three weeks in, I was like, I absolutely love this. This is so much better than anything I've done in the last 12 years of my career. I'm having a great time, making good money, knocking on doors and climbing on roofs. And, and I was just having a great time. I mean, I just really enjoyed it. And, you know, I think it was probably about two years of my mom. Every time I saw her, I was like, are you going to go back to practicing law? Like, yeah. You're, you're, you're not really going to keep doing this roofing thing, are you? I'm like, I, I think I am. It's, I, I like going to work now. Like, this is fun. Yeah. Um, the hours are a lot better. The, you know. So that's, that's how I got into that uh, and just sort of, you know, worked my way up. I mean, it was, I was selling for six months, and then, you know, I was uh, – Suddenly, you know, all of a sudden, the, the owner, like, all right, I, 
I've got all this talent here. Let's put a sales manager. Like, and I was like, I don't know that I want to move out of the field. Like sales is enjoyable. Like for the first time in my career, my mouth does this thing where it turns up at the ends. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm enjoying this. Like, um, but yeah, I mean, it was just kind of a, a real passion of, of being out, you know, getting to get out and be in front of people. And um, I think what I kind of learned is that to be happy in your career, I think for me personally, and I think this probably applies to a lot of people, you need to use your whole person. Like as a lawyer, it was 100% my brain, you know, sitting in front of a computer, using brain, thinking brain thoughts, writing paper. Um, but when I got into sales, I started using all of me, you know, I had to use my brain in front of someone selling, but you're also physically, you're, you're climbing on roofs, you're out there. Um, there's a lot of walking and I enjoyed it. And, and it really just, uh, kind of changed my life moving from that 100% brain to kind of doing everything. And now that I own my own shop, it's even more of that. You know, I probably wake up in the morning and spend some time in front of the computer, spend some time talking with people, um, and then get out and, uh, you know, physically, sometimes I'm schlepping shingles from, from a driveway into my truck. So yeah. you get to use 100% of myself, I think. And, and I think that's really something that I enjoy. And as I start hiring people and bringing people on, I'm really trying to bring that focus to my people. So, you know, I've got two people that, you know, I've, I've just hired two salespeople that I've, I've worked with them for a total of five years. I mean, these guys are experts at sales. They're, they're great at going out and they can have three roofs today, but they've just been doing it for so long. They're like, Dustin, I can't keep doing sales. Yeah. I'm like, I get that. Let's make a plan to get you from here to where you want to be. And so the first thing I did uh, when I brought them on board was say, what's, where do you want to be in five years? What's your goal? You know, do you want to be knocking doors? Do you want to be managing people? Do you want to run your own business? Let's have an honest conversation about where you want to be in five years and let's use the things that you're doing today to get you to that position. So really just kind of investing in them and, and, and starting with a, a long-term plan so that the, you know, kind of the, the stuff that we're doing today that we don't want to do becomes part of the long-term goal. Yeah, get everybody pulling on the same end of the string. Exactly. Is that something that you wish maybe somebody would have brought to your attention a little bit earlier in your sales career? Oh, definitely. So you're kind of speaking from that perspective? Uh, I, I'd say not just not just my sales career, but my my overall career in general. Um, I'd say from a, from a young age, I think I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't have guidance on, on how to get to that spot. Uh, I felt like, Moving into law, you know, kind of talking about being the your your roundtable idea, which I think is a, a, a great advice for any entrepreneur. Um, but being part of that roundtable for businesses of all sizes was a great opportunity for me. Um, I was a, a labor and employment attorney at Baker and Daniels, so I got to sit down with you know CEOs of of major corporations and then the, the owners of of you know fifty employee small companies here in, here in Indiana. So I kind of got to see what works and what doesn't. And, and also the labor and employment side of things, you're dealing with people and, and kind of seeing how things go wrong in dealing with people and, and how to keep those things from going wrong. So um, I guess to get back to your question, I really realized that I've just started rambling. No, you're good. That's how this works. <laughs> just ramble, man. Uh, to, to get back to your question, I really wish that I'd kind of had some sort of mentorship on here's a path into entrepreneurship. Like, and for me, 
stumbling into the roofing industry was a great way to learn that path. And, and I think having the credentials of being a lawyer, you know, people moved me up a lot quicker and gave me a lot more access. You know, here's, here's a, is a, a show behind the curtains so that I could start my own thing and have all that information. Well, I think <clears throat> something, so my brother-in-law, he's an attorney, and um, something that I would say... My condolences. Yeah. <laughs> um, he used to be a prosecutor, now he's in private, so at least he's making more money. And um, it, the way his brain works, is just it's different than mine. Yes. However, I can appreciate that there are those types of people in this world. And I also appreciate the amount of effort it takes to get to where he's at. Mm -hmm. And I think that that speaks to your character, because becoming a lawyer is almost a mystique, I would mm -hmm. say, behind it. But there's a lot of really long hours stuck with your face in a book right. doing things that nobody wants to do. So I think from the outside looking in, like you are a sum of all your experiences. And going through that terrible, what I would call it, a terrible <laughs> experience, I can only imagine, to, to then get to the accomplishment of like attaining that goal. Yeah. And you get there and you go, now what? Right? right? I have a buddy, he, he went to school, became an accountant, a CPA, and then you go, well, this is it? Yeah. So they, they, they draw it up to be this glamorous life, and then you got to work 90 hours a week, and the money's good, but it's not great right. until you do put in your time. I think, you know, then similar to what you were saying before about um, being a part of that roundtable, you got to see other people's mistakes again. Mm-hmm. Say, well, I know not to do that. I know how to avoid that. Yeah. I mean, and it all brought you to where you are today. Right. Trying to make everybody else's life a little bit better. Right. So um, you've been in business by yourself or in business by yourself since October, correct? Uh, the start of the business at the end of 2020. Yep. Uh, really kind of started selling sort of the middle of last year. So going on about 12 months. Now look at you. Right. Now look at me. Here yeah. we go. <laughs> so how's it been? It's been amazing. It's been a lot of fun. Obviously, there's, yeah, er, everything. Life since I got into the roofing business has been a roller coaster. Yeah, it's it's always up, always down. Um, the ups are higher than anything I've ever seen, and the lows are lower than anything I've ever seen. But I thrive on that. I I enjoy that. I you know when you're up, it makes the you know the the downs make the ups even better. Yeah, you know the so I would say it's been a lot of fun. Like. Uh, now that I'm into the first full season, I mean, there's there's plenty of work to do out there. I'm, I mean, I guess I'd say I'm having a great time. I've got two of my friends who come back to start working with me, and we're pretty much off to the races. So, um, really good. So, what's it like working with your friends? Um, it's it's fun. Like sometimes I'd, I'd say that it's fun because I've had the opportunity to kind of open things up for them more. So in the past. When I worked, like I worked with with Scott and Chase, both at, at other companies, and in the past, I basically kind of gave them, you know, here's your job, here's where you need to go. Now I'm trying to help them move to the next level and say, this is the kind of team that I would like you to develop, and I would like you to kind of take more of a blank slate and and decide where you want to go with this, um, and and so kind of helping move them up so that they're not, you know, I told Scott, Scott's my age. I was like, listen, Scott, like, we only have, we have a limited number of times up and down this ladder. Like, <laughs> my body's starting to fall apart. Like, I know that, you know, in five to ten years, I can't be, you know, right now I can make a ton of money climbing ladders and, and selling roofs myself. But I also know that 
I can't keep doing this. You know, yeah. few, just a few more, few more years that I could, could be doing this. And, and then I think it just starts to get, you know, unsafe for me personally. Yeah. Um, so just kind of say, hey, Scott, it's time for us to develop ourselves as managers, as leaders, you know, kind of develop the next generation of salespeople. And so giving them that vision and sort of, you know, here's the next step and, and kind of helping them level up has been really exciting for me. And I've really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, it takes, um, it's no longer just a job, mm-hmm. you know, being in control of somebody else's finances and helping them be in control of their own finances. Right. You feel this weight, this responsibility. It's not just you. The last person to get paid in business is who? It's, Boss. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I'm convinced you're not really a man until you have to make payroll. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you start signing the front of people's checks, man, it gets right. tough. That's when, like, it's real scary. Yeah. Because, again, you're the last one to get paid. You're in charge of everything, and invoices mm-hmm. are still coming in. Overhead's yeah. coming in. Yeah. So I helped uh, I helped start another roofing company back in 2016, and I thought my contribution was, was really big. And I, it, what was funny was I didn't realize how much it didn't matter until I put my signature on a personal guarantee. Yep. And <laughs> that personal guarantee that I've got with ABC, you know. It's <laughs> Ain't that the truth. That's, that's a big number that if, if the business doesn't succeed, I don't. <laughs> yeah, no but there's, there's a reason that there's a very limited few that ever take the risk. Right. Right. There's a reason your mom wants you to be a lawyer. Right. Lawyers always safe. have a job. Right. You got a 401k. You might be partner someday. Mm-hmm. Make a good living. You don't have yeah. to worry about anything, right? Yeah. So you just put in your time. Exactly. So risk, risk, reward, risk, reward. Um, so what made you finally take the risk and make that jump? Uh, you know, I was, I was listening to your, your podcast with Kai, mm-hmm. and I think she does the, she called it a PI assessment, but it sounds yeah. very per- similar to the DISC assessment. Very much so. So it's um, perspective index. Yeah. It's, it's a wild, we did it for our leadership class. It's a wild thing. It's like 40 words, you pick three of them, and then it yeah. tells you who you are. And yeah. you're just like, well, that's kind of intense. Well, my DISC assessment says basically I, I love risk. I love, uh, what was it? Um, basically, when, when everything is kind of Uh-oh. out of control. Uh-oh. <laughs> Phone's on <laughs> set. On my part. No, it's all right. <laughs> Everybody loves a good blooper in the middle of a podcast. Right. Yeah. Do you need to take Someone that? needs to. You're no, good. no. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's. I think I just, I like, kind of like I said, I love the roller coaster. I love, you know, most Rational human beings are risk adverse, and that's how people are meant to be wired. Apparently, I'm wired the opposite way. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy risk, so yeah. Um, to me, it was it was always a, a, a no brainer that I'd start my own thing. I mean, it just it kind of had to happen. Yeah. And now look at you. Now look at me. So um, while you and I were talking earlier, um, we were talking about kind of your your love for sales and marketing. Yes. Um, obviously, coming out of being a lawyer. Not a lot of sales in it. I guess partners sell, they create relationships, they get in with, you know, all of the senators and all the, the that sort of thing. How do you think that's made you a better, um, I don't even call you a salesperson, but just somebody, a wordsmith or something like that? I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna disagree with you. Uh-oh. Because kind of what, like we were talking about sales, we were, before the podcast, we were talking about sales is done with your ears. That's a good point. Uh I mean, I'm not sure if you've ever watched it, like a, a cross examination or, or uh, I've seen like Law and Order. Right, lawyers, lawyers are all about questions, right? Uh, so if you've got a lawyer in a deposition and, and the lawyer's asking the question, the moment you ask the, the lawyer a question, every lawyer worth their salt is going to be like, "I'm asking the questions here." Um, so Ooh. as lawyers, <laughs> questions are our stock and trade. Mm-hmm. And 
I was trained, you know, as a lawyer, I, I was fortunate to be trained on how, how to ask questions and, and get very, very good at asking questions. Um, and to me, that is probably the most important skill that comes over to sales and probably the hardest skill to teach new salespeople. New, new salespeople want to market. They want to tell you how great the company is. They want to tell you how great things are. And it's hard for them to switch into sales, which sales is me finding out what you need. And, and sales is very simple. Find out what someone needs and give it to them or walk away. Like, that's it. I mean, that's, that's all there is to sales. Where people make it hard is they don't ask enough questions to just simply give you what you need. And so they're just trying to market until you say yes. You know, basically kind of wear you yeah. down with, we, you know, here's our Do you want a roof? Do you want a roof? Right. Do you want a roof? <laughs> it's not a very good question. Right. But, I mean, it's kind of like the, you know, I, I kind of picture a guy picking up a girl at the bar, sitting there talking about how great he is. Like, I, I've got a Mercedes. i got this. like my house. Oh, I know those right. guys, yeah. Right. <laughs> That's not how you sell. Like, you know, if you want to pick up a girl at the bar, talk to her about her. Yeah. Right? Same thing with clients. Um, and so, as a lawyer, it was ingrained in me how to ask questions, how to get to the bottom of things. And at the end of the day, handling an objection is getting to the bottom of things. And what I teach my sales guys is you shouldn't have like a beautiful, fluent, long, you know, way of handling each objection. Like the way you handle each objection should eventually come down to yes or no, right? So if someone has an objection, you find out what the objection is and they say, well, Lance, if I could do this, would that work for you? Well, perfect. Then let's get it done. Yeah. Uh, whereas I think a lot of times when people hear an objection, they want to immediately jump in and talk about how great the, you know, the product is the, the product rather than the client. So for me, I would say that part of, of training and questions really has helped me become a great salesperson, well, mediocre salesperson. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's helped me be a good sales trainer, I think, um, because I understand the importance of questions. And then I think the other, the other thing that helped me is just the training in writing because I – I was, you know, the, the number of billable hours that went into training me when I was an associate, I mean, it's it's probably in the five or six digits. Like wow. the, the lawyers that spent time training, you know, me, whether it was individually or in a class, um, I was very fortunate to have some some really brilliant people teach me how to, you know, how to write. And that thought process, I think, really lends itself both to both to sales and organizing a business because... Good writing is well organized, and good sales is well organized, and a good business is well organized. And I think when you're able to to take a step back from your sales process and be like, is this as well organized and fluent as it can be? And just you know, for the last ten years, I've been selling. It's the same product, same sales pitch, and so I've really kind of looked at my sales process. Obviously, stealing people, stealing things from people any chance I can get. But then change, you know, putting it into an organization that is fluid, um, concise, and brief so that I'm not wasting people's time. Well, and I think what you're doing is something a little bit different than most people that, <clears throat> like you and I said before, there's a lot of people who swing a hammer for a living. Right. There's not a lot of people who provide a solution by swinging a hammer, if right. that makes sense. So by creating the process, by creating you know, the methodology behind solving the problem. There's a lot of people that give estimates. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of roofs more than anything is problem solution. Right. 
where I want a kitchen design. I want to, right? Problem. I got hail damage. Problem. I got wind damage. Problem. My roof sold. Solution. Roof. Right. So I think it's, I'm not going to say simple because that's, I don't want to like say anything bad about what you do, but like I think it is a very, very, very um, good way to create a long-term process more so than, that's why I think home builders do so well with their track homes. Problem. I want a three-bedroom house. That's our three-bedroom house. Right. Right? So I, th- I think that's that ease for the, the customer makes it a more viable process because I don't have to imagine something. Yeah. I can see a roof. And, and I, I don't think you're wrong. I think, I mean, at the most basic lever- level, this is an extremely simple business. I mean, I, I can't picture a simpler business, to be quite honest with you. Um, but growing it, you know, people think we're, you know, I, I, I no longer think of it as a roofing business. We are a sales and marketing business. We're a, a data and logistics business. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, we're, those things are what make us succeed. Is our, you know, the ability to grow comes from treating ourselves as a data and logistics business. Um, you know, I, I kind of think of, you know, I'm a manufacturing facility. I manufacture sales reps that go out and sell roofs. Um, so kind of figuring out how to take one process that works for me and then scale it to work for, for multiple people. Yeah, and it's nice because it works everywhere. Exactly. doesn't matter your geographical location. doesn't matter anything else. All you're tr- trying to do is put roof on houses. Exactly. Follow storms. Exactly. Just chase them down. <laughs> chase them down. So um, a lot of people, you know, there's your fly-by-night uh, door knockers, and then you've got your traditional guys that are out there every single day working a community. Um, with your long-term plan and – obviously your, your processes that you're putting in place, kind of where do you see this going and where do you kind of want it to go? And um, I think my, my phone stopped, so you just talk and I'll, I'll still listen. Perfect, yeah. Uh, so long-term, the, 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 the way that this would go would be to be a, a community roofing company, uh, yeah. not, not looking to really chase storms, uh, but basically expand in terms of products. Right, right now, Indiana's great for the roofing business because in the last... Um, in the last year, there were five major storms. I'd say in the past 10 years that I've been doing this, we expected one major storm that would pretty much feed the entire industry. And last year, there were five storms that were big enough to feed all of us. So this year, there's still more than enough work. Um, and so it's just working around Indiana. I mean, anybody anybody that's got a roof over eight years old on the north side of Indianapolis, you, you've got hail damage. I'll bet you 100 bucks without even looking at your roof, you've got hail damage. Yeah. Um, so it's right now it's it's good. Uh, my goal over the next year, over the next three to five years, would be expand into into solar. Uh, and Ooh. then yeah, I think everybody in the roofing industry is either going to expand into solar or or be left behind. Yeah, um, expand into solar and then move into to larger construction projects. Uh, full full. Solar solar is a kick ass name. <laughs> and if you don't go home and look up Stoller solar. LLC tonight. Oh man, now someone's already probably stolersolar.com. <laughs> you like that? Dude. It, it rhymes? Rolls it, right off your tongue? Golly. I I'm in. I'm yeah. all in on Stolar Solar. I'm not sure if you've seen this, but GAF, the, the shingle manufacturers, they now have a solar shingle that installs just like a, a similar to the Tesla solar shingle that I've I seen. I think it's better than Tesla. And and the reason I say that is it 
It installs exactly like a shingle. It looks like a shingle. It installs like a shingle. How's it work? Uh, it, you know what I mean? Like, how's it work? What's it plug into? I don't know. I'm, I'm not that I don't, smart. I don't, I'm not that smart. I don't, I don't understand There's anything. smarter people than me that figure things out. Yeah. <laughs> but I know that the the efficiency is a little less than the the panels that you would typically put on your roof. But the panels you put on the roof are square, so they're not going to cover your entire roof, mm-hmm. whereas your shingles are going to cover the entire roof. So, you know, maybe it makes up for the because it uh, has more surface area. I don't know. It, it To me, it, it looks amazing. It installs exactly like a shingle. It's built by people who understand. How much more are insurance claims going to be on roofs? Because uh, it's, what, 10 to 20 a roof right now? and it's more than that. Well, yeah. <laughs> prices are up significantly right yeah. now. But you go and you put, what's a stolar solar roof cost? Uh, right now, a stolar solar <laughs> Dude, I swear. We're gonna have to buy you an LLC on the way out the door. The the stolar solar, solar. I love LLC. It. Yeah, I'm in. So, um, what's the difference in cost between us that type of roof and right now? I, I think it's cost prohibitive. It's like it's it's not. It doesn't make sense in Indiana yet, um, but the technology's coming. So it's it's not something that we're really jumping into or, or pricing solar roofs yet. Just kind of keeping. I'm keeping my eye on it because I know that it's you know in the next year or two they're going to get to the point where it's no longer price prohibitive and it makes sense to start putting those on your roof instead of a, an asphalt shingle. And I think, I mean, if you look at, look at the price of computers now, like, um, you know, now you can get a, a, a computer for a hundred dollars, a laptop for a yeah. hundred bucks. Solar plasma TVs are a 10th, a 20th of what yeah. they used to cost. Yeah. And, and right now everyone's in the solar R and D, like the price is going to fall. It's a technology. I, I mean, eventually it'll be shipped off. You know, They'll, they'll get the process down. The prices will fall. And who knows? Maybe at some point the, the price of a, a solar shingle will be equal to or less than the price of an asphalt shingle. Well, it de- depends on how, um, well, I don't say anything about oil prices or anything like that right now. <laughs> yeah, the way oil prices are going. <laughs> Golly. Between that and lumber, it's hard not to. Yeah. They'll be making houses out of 3D modeling. Out of plastic or something like that. I don't know what the next thing is going to be. I saw someone making a house out of 3D. Mm-hmm. They 3D concreted one. Yeah. I saw that. So they had a giant concrete truck that was turned into a 3D modeler, and it just kind of... That's insane. The future's weird. I went to a company. Um, it's out of Anderson, and I was with a buddy of mine. He does prototyping for really large companies whose names I don't think I'm allowed to say. And um, But he uses this 3D modeler. We went into a shop. They have one employee, and they have, like, 11 ginormous 3D modelers, and they make it out of cast iron. So, like, wow. it's like a magma machine yeah. m- making these, like, prototypes. And then they go and make plastic molds and then send them out to these so big you just got molten iron coming out of a 3D printer? Yeah. It's the craziest wow. thing I've ever seen. And um, so they only have one employee, and they said that there's a bigger machine that's, like, twice the size of this room. And they keep them up north. And, like, these other 3D companies, they just send their schematics, and they all rent because they're, like, tens of millions of dollars for this machine. Yeah. And they make these giant 3D models and then send them all over the place because all they do is then they cast out of them, and then they go and send them to these companies, and they pour. Yeah. Kind of like, you know what I'm talking about, like, pour the cast molds. Yeah. And that's how they do it. They make the original out of 3D. They shave it off to where it's nice and clean, and then rock and roll. And that's future. Yeah. Who needs welders? Who needs... Right. Who needs workers? 
machine. Yeah, that's what they're trying to do. But the funny thing is, like, so this guy, he runs this huge 3D company. I assume it's huge. I'm probably doing really well. But overhead's super low because it's, I just got one guy watching the CAD yeah. machines the whole time. So, but. Yeah, I think this. Uh, this they're is not going to do that to roofs. Well, you never know. I mean, technology is always moving forward. I could imagine a machine that. Preset roofs? I don't know. Maybe a. Fly them out, crane them on, and walk away? Put some sort of machine on a roof that. I mean, it's a the standard process. I mean. Oh, that's actually a good point. I just went to a bowling alley, and they had, like, literally um, a Roomba that ran, like, the lanes. Right. It'll Maybe a Roomba that installs the shingles. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just got two, 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 two lays. Two, two, two. I'm not saying it's a simple or, or you know, it's, but I'm not saying it's impossible either. And this, this employee shortage, it might just drive that kind of uh, technological... Advance. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. It's it's funny because... I don't think it will, but it's not outside the realm of possibility. I don't know what's next. I don't know what's next. But the world needs humans. It does. It, does, it needs human beings. It needs people to make a living. It needs a lot of things. You take right. us out of it and... This podcast goes in a very different direction than it. It, it, it does. <laughs> but capitalism drives solutions. I mean, and, and labor shortage is it's a big problem that someone's got to solve. Well, and usually it's technology. Yeah, and there's a lot of engineers out there, and they're all, you know, went to college, and everybody's supposed to go to college and become an engineer, and what are you oh, going to invent next? I don't know what that would do to my, my industry if there's like a Roomba that just installed roofs. Like a, It would be an interesting... Like a machine that you rent and it just... Dun, 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 right on top of your roof. You're yeah. imagining it right now, aren't you? I'm picturing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I can see it someday. Yeah. But we'll probably be on Mars and Elon Musk and his Twitter machine and. Right. Twitter army. I mean, there are less important things being invented these days. So that's a good point. That is a really good point. So, <laughs> that being said, so, so tell me, uh, <laughs> other than kind of your door knock philosophy, which I think is one of the, probably the oldest sales tricks in the book, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, it still works. Everybody thinks right. that you can't, you got to go online, you got to do all these things. Um, obviously, you guys are sticking to the tried and true method, right? No, it, it definitely works. And, you know, I mean, I, every, every now and then I'll run into some people that kind of bad mouth um, door knocking and say, you know, if you're... If you're a real roofer, you wouldn't do that. But the reality is, like, it it takes from 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 my perspective as, as a business owner, it takes as much effort to do a thirty thousand dollar roof as it does to do a six thousand dollar roof, and the profit margin on a thirty thousand dollar roof is obviously much larger, right? If I'm marketing, I mean, marketing I think of as a shotgun, like I, I right, every everybody, you know, um, if I'm marketing, I'm I'm not having control over what kind of jobs I get. Um, if I if I find hail damage in a neighborhood where I'm going to get thirty thousand dollar roofs, then there's the you know if I get one of them, then there's the opportunity to get twenty more. Yeah. And so I'd rather do twenty thirty thousand dollar roofs than in one neighborhood, than spend my time you know doing a six thousand dollar roof in Fishers, then driving over to do an eight thousand dollar roof in Zionsville, then do a thirty thousand. You know. So yeah. overall, the efficient. The, the operational efficiency of door knocking, you can't overstate, like, with with the entire process of, of the number of times you have to drive out to your client's house. And so if you can 
drive out to that house and then go see the neighbor and then go see the next neighbor and get everything taken care of in one neighborhood versus driving all over the place, especially with gas prices doing what they are. You know, there's, there's so much to be said for the efficiency of, of door knocking in this industry. And it's gone by the wayside. So, like, if somebody knocks on my door, unless, like, I'm my wife who hides behind the curtains right. and doesn't answer it, I answer the door. Mm-hmm. Because everybody sends me an email. Right. Click rates are 30%, right? Or open rates are 30%. Click rates are even lower, so you get 2% click rates. Right. SEOs are shot in the dark. Facebook... Who sees a Facebook and goes, you know what, I should get my roof looked at. Right. This man, he's got a great point. <laughs> but if you have somebody in front of you, it's a lot harder to say the word no. Well, and the other thing is if, if I'm in front of you and, and right behind me is a, a roof going on where your neighbors just got their roof paid for by the insurance company mm-hmm. because they had hail damage, suddenly it makes sense. Like, you know who I am. I'm the, I'm the person that's doing your neighbor's roof. Uh, Immediate credibility and trust. Right. The Immediate. Rates, like this... No one believes this, but my closing rates shoot through the roof. If I've, if I've got an install in a neighborhood, and I, all I need to do is talk to somebody, I, I would take a cold, cold door knock in a neighborhood where I'm doing an install over any lead you can send me. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Like, you've got, you got the credibility of the neighbor knowing who you are. And, yeah, hey, you know, uh, Johnny down the road, he sent me over here. Um, we were looking at your roof from his... Looks like you missed a couple of shingles. Right, exactly. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah, I got my ladder. Do you see us? We're working right over here. We can get you in probably next week. Do you, do you so know? We're, we're hiring for salespeople, Sean. If you're interested, <laughs> man, you got I, it down, dude. I would totally. So, like, um, I'm actually, and I'm sure you're the same way. Salespeople are the most gullible people ever because oh we love other salespeople. Right. Because we love the process. Right. I'll buy from you if you have a good sales process, dude. There's, I have still. This was two years ago, pre-COVID. I still have the spray somewhere in my like shed that I've never actually opened. It's this wonder soap. This man knocked on my door. I said, where are you from? He goes, Idaho. He starts going through his little, you've seen him like the old Cutco knives guys. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there and he's just going through his bit. And I'm like, man, this is fun. He's got jokes within it. He's spraying my house. He goes, take your shoes off. Let me spray your shoes. And he cleans my shoes. <laughs> and my wife's just sitting there. She goes, don't buy. I was like, yeah, whatever. Until <laughs> half an hour, I'm trying to hire the guy. He goes, yeah. no, I like my gig or whatever. I already sold it down the road. I said, well, how much is it? I swear, 20 minutes. He goes, 80 bucks for a bottle of soap. And I'm so... <laughs> they clean your shoes? Yeah, clean my shoes, <laughs> clean my house. I go, and I, I bought it. 80 bucks, wrote him a check. So, hey, you know, I really appreciate it. He goes, hey, somebody will be back around with that and appreciate you doing business and we're on to the next house. Yeah. And, like, it just, I don't get those experiences very often. I always answer the door. Yeah. It's hard not to. It's hard. Especially when, when they're technically good at sales. And they, he was good. Right. I was enjoying my, it was theatrical almost. Yeah. It was like I was at a show. And, I probably took like some tidbits from it, and I'm gonna be like, "Well, that's a good line. I'll use that." Yeah, and I and I love selling yeah, salespeople too. Yeah, like we're, we're fun. We're fun people. Like, yeah, let's be honest. Like salespeople are the best people. Yeah, really. and I'm not gonna be like. Sometimes I'll throw in an objection just to see like how he would combat it, type of thing. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm like, "Well, that's a good one." Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a totally different like experience. Like nobody wants to be sold to except for salespeople. Right. I always take the call. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, leave me a voicemail. I'll, I'll do the demo, whatever you say. Because it's you can learn a little bit from an experience. Yeah. And you can also tell whose first cold call ever is the one that you're on the phone with. So I'm, I'm going to say the good sales 
also leads to good relationships. It leads to good management. I mean, it's if if you know how to sell, you just know how to live. I mean, everything in life is sales. You're selling yourself no matter where you go. Right. And it's all, and life's a hell of a lot more fun when you're trying to like have fun and live in the moment and like converse with that person. And your first words, yes, not no. Right. I've got a bad habit. My first words, yes, not no. My wife's nothing against my wife again, if Casey, if you're watching <laughs> this, but like <laughs> apprehension, being a female also is very different. I think because right. you have to be apprehensive of the, you know, it doesn't matter who's at your door in the middle of the day. If you've got two kids, you don't want to answer the door type of thing. Yeah. I get that perspective. Um, but yeah, I'm always going to take that call. Man. I love it. <laughs> I eat that shit up. So I had a, uh, had a sales call the other day. This guy was selling to, uh, selling services to me and he was very good. Technically I wasn't sure about the product. And finally he, he makes his pitch and then just stops talking and there's just silence on the phone. I was like, I'm going to see how long he's willing to wait. Pull out your timer. 30 minutes. I timed, I, I, like I said there, I started doing something else. I was like, I want to see like first person who speaks loses. Right. Yeah. This guy will not break. This is impressive. Like that was the moment. I was like, all right, I'm buying from him just yeah. because of that. Like, yeah, he sat here in silence for 30 minutes. Like balls of steel, man. Brilliance. Yeah. You, you know how many salespeople would have broke? I would have. I'd be like, are you there? Right. <laughs> I would <laughs> at least hit you with the, are you there? He didn't even do that. No. Uh, did I lose you? That's usually my. Uh, did I lose you? Nothing. That's impressive. It was impressive. That's why I wrote him a check. I'm like, all right, yeah, you got me. I love it. I don't know. I just. Call me a sucker, whatever yeah. you want to do. But I also believe in karma at like a high level mm -hmm. that there is this karma, there's this energy that not if I buy from you, my life will be better. But if we exchange whatever it is, let's call it a tool, right? Yes. You owe me, I owe you. That's how this works. Yeah. And now we are in this symbiotic relationship where if I send you more, or you send me one. Now we are together in this. This is a us thing. This is a referral relationship. This yeah. is the next step. Now we're no longer hand-holding, we're, we're dating. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that shout-out to Aaron Perkel, who is the greatest sales trainer to walk the planet. Um, one of the things he taught me was to become a better salesperson, you have to become a better buyer. So Oh, shoot. I'm a terrible buyer. Ter I'm terrible. Are you? No, I, why? why? Um, um, I'm lazy. Maybe. Yeah. My wife is a great buyer. She's a review reader. She's a... Down to the letter, she wants to make sure it's 100% perfect to do yeah. it. I, I, but again, she, and again, nothing against like what she does. Yeah. She gets paid by the hour. When you get paid by the hour, I think it, money's different because now you associate it with time. Yeah. I personally don't get paid by the hour. So I do not associate money with time. I associate money with money, right? With opportunity. Yeah. With backs against the wall. Now you got to go do something about it. So I'm a terrible buyer. I'm not like frivolous. I wouldn't say the word frivolous, but like I, um, yeah, I'm see. So this is, this is what Aaron did with me. He's like, tell me how you, how would you go about buying shoes? I said, well, I'd, I'd go to the store. I'd look at them. I, I'd probably kind of like them, try them on. I'd put them back on the shelf and I'd leave, come back three weeks later, look at them again, look at a couple different shoes. He's like, and, and, and Aaron's, a, I mean, he's a total therapist when he does his sales training. So he, like, sits, sits there, and there's just silence. Like, he's great with the silence. And he's like, so after I was done, he's like, so how much time did you spend driving back and forth to, to look at shoes? How much time did you spend looking at shoes? How much gas did you spend looking at shoes? 
how like you took what was a hundred dollar purchase and now you've turned it i mean if you know your time is you know you've, you've turned this into a, a 400 500 purchase just because of the, the amount of time that you've wasted and like, what you, what you need to do with way, the way you buy is you have to figure out what do i need does this fit my needs is this in my price range if yes buy it and move on make the decision and move on with your life because there are costs that are there there are costs that are incurred in continuing to search so you need to be able to to make that decision because at the end of the day sales is about helping people make that decision and and if you can't get to a decision yourself you're not going to be good at helping other people get to a decision so that was probably one of the biggest things for me is i've learned that if i'm going to buy like i i evaluate it does it make does it meet my needs is it in my price range pull the trigger make the decision and move on with my life maybe i am exactly what you just described I, I, I only get online. I buy exactly what I knew what I was going to get. As long as it's within what I thought it should a fair price yeah. to me, it's on its way. Yeah. That's how you're supposed to make decisions. Well, I, I tell don't. my wife because, man, she takes four <laughs> hours to choose dinner because yeah. she wants to make sure we're going to the right place. Right. But I don't really care, baby. I'll go wherever you tell me to go. And, and I think some people like the decision-making process. If you get joy out of it, go for it. You've met one recently. I sent you one not so long ago. Oh yes, yeah. And but it's it's he's been fun to deal with. Like it's been it's a challenge. It's not it's not been that much of a challenge. You know why? Because I'm good at getting people to a decision. And that's an that's an important I think thing to get to people to. Like it's it's hard. Yeah. Um, I think you've got to like helping people get to the point that they can make a decision, and just taking a lot of the confusion out of the process. Yeah. Um, finding out. You know, I, I kind of, uh, you know, to me, sales, sometimes sales is like the, the, the princess and the pee story. Where that mm-hmm. princess was sleeping on all the mattresses and there was a pee underneath. You just got to keep pulling mattresses off until you find the pee. And you're like, all right, is that, is that what's This is the pain point? This is, this is what my How about now? Can we move forward? Yeah. And to me, I think it's, that comes back to questions. Like each question you ask is one layer of, of getting a mattress off until you get down to the pee. And <clears throat> I don't know, I feel like, that is probably probably one of my strengths. Is I've, I've I've learned that when you think you're at the P, you're probably not. You know, like most people, th- you know, pull off one mattress and like, oh, it's this mattress then. No, you, you're not to the P. You got to keep going down. That's a really. Good, do you listen to Chris Voss at all? No. Do you know who Chris Voss is? I don't. Chris Voss is a master negotiator uh, for the FBI turned Harvard kind of professor, associate professor. Okay. And um, again, it's all about. Negotiation. So he has a master class. He has a book. Um, what the heck is the name of his book? I've, I listened to his book. I didn't read it. So, But very, very good. He talks about taking these high-pressure terrorist negotiations and pulling them back to, um, you know, sales, marketing, that sort of stuff because he teaches at Harvard Business School. So it's about negotiating tactics and things like that. And um, the name of his company is called Black Swan. The reason it's Black Swan is because he says, whenever you think you've gotten to the problem, you're not there yet. Right. Ask one more question. Yes. And that's exactly what it is, is when you think you've solved the pain point, ask one more question because you never know if that's going to, the Black Swan's what keeps them from buying. Right. It keeps them from getting, because you didn't ask who else is making this decision. Because you could be talking to the husband and you never asked, you know, who, who makes this decision in the household. Right. And the wife is sitting behind him, and you never once looked at her and asked her. Well, and, and the other thing in my industry, people don't buy roofs on a regular basis. No. So people, you know, customer's not always right. Like, customer comes in, 
with very little information about how to buy a roof, about the industry, about things like that. So when you're not a good purchaser, and I don't, I don't mean that in a way. I know what you mean, yeah. Like, uh, when, when you're not practiced at it, you don't know how to ask good questions about it. And so they also don't speak our language. I mean, you know, we, we live in a world talking about gables and eaves and, and things that, that normal people don't know about or care about except for maybe a, a three-week period in their life where they're picking a roof. Yeah. And so the things that they the things that they ask about, the words that they say might not reflect their actual meaning. And so it's important to, number one, help them understand what it is their concern is and make sure that you understand what their concern is. So a lot of times, even once I've found the P, I want to help them understand that this is what the P is. And I want them to understand because there's not because I'm telling them, but because they're saying it themselves. So using questions to kind of reform what they ask a lot of times is a great way to kind of reinforce that this is the problem. This is the only problem. Once we get rid of the problem, everything's going to be great and you're going to sleep well, princess. Yep. <laughs> I think that's, you should write a book. Mm. <laughs> or maybe you should do your own sales and marketing podcast. Because I don't think there's a lot of people that, I mean, there are sales and marketing podcasts, but all I can think of are like the real estate ones. And those guys are kind of gross almost. How about I just come on your, your podcast on a regular basis? Okay. I, I think this is We'll fun. do a, a sales podcast a once once a quarter. All right. That works for me. And we'll just do a download. What actually would be nice is, <clears throat> I've thought about this, and listeners, we're 48 minutes and 57 seconds into this. So if you are this far into it, and you want to- Hi, mom. Hi. <laughs> not my wife. Not my wife. And if you guys would like this, let me know. Uh, send me a message. Send me an email. Reach out online. Um, what I've always wanted to do is not a masterclass webinar series, but I would like to, because of all the breadth of what we do, I think there's a lot of people that want to learn more about business because everybody's stuck in their business, not on the, working on their business, but a masterclass series of what entity should I be? How does QuickBooks work? What type of accounting should I be doing? Sales and marketing, yes. uh, insurance, uh, financial services in the sense of like maybe, um, how does a profit and a loss statement work? Like you can b run it all the way down to the basics, but the sales and marketing, a lot of people don't ever get to that point of their small business because they're so stuck in the little parts or they're stuck in the day to day. So I think doing a webinar series where we could actually have clients or people come sit on as we kind of just maybe even just walk through a sales process. And if you'd like, I'd be happy to bring some of the people that are much smarter than me that I've stolen these things from. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> that's the whole point of a podcast to bring on people who are smarter than you, ask good questions or questions nonetheless. They don't always have to be good. And then try to learn a little bit more about what you want to be good at, what you hope to be someday good at. So exactly. All right, Dustin. Well, um, for anybody who wants to see that, please shoot us a message. Um, Dustin, if people want to get a hold of you or they want to learn more about your business, or maybe they want to learn about how do I get into the roofing business or how can I learn more about, you know, what you guys are doing? How can I refer you business? How can I get a roof? What, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, get on our website, stolarroof, stolarroofing.com. Uh, or, yeah, probably find us on Facebook. Find us on Facebook. Yeah. All right, guys, I'll put all of Dustin's information directly in the show notes. If anybody needs anything from him, please let us know. Dustin, thank you. Thanks, Sean. All right. Yeah. Hey, guys. 
Thank you again so much for your love and support of the Performance Group Podcast. For more information on the podcast, the Performance Group, or even our guests, feel free to reach out directly via our website, performancegroupindiana.com, or feel free to email me directly, which is sean at performancegroupindiana.com. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you.